When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Back to another episode of La Jam and Latte. I'm your host, Nicole, and back by popular demand is special guest star, Ash Gardner. Hi, Ash. Hello, Nikki. Thanks for having me again. So welcome, Ash. It wasn't my decision. It was the people's. <laughs> <laughs> How's your week been? Look, it's been a good week. It's, it's been nice with the travel limit extended to 25 Ks. It's meant I've been able to go for some walks with some family and friends that were outside of my 5k bubble so it was nice it was nice but I found it a little bit confronting I finally left Bayside and it was quite a shock to the system honestly and I thought I just wanted to encourage the fans to spare a thought for people that have been stuck in Bayside during this lockdown because it's been particularly hard for us like for people like Beck Judd the five kilometer radius meant she couldn't even leave her house. So <laughs> thoughts and prayers. But then for the rest of us, right, the five kilometers wasn't even a radius because we have beach on one side. So we could only go five kilometers one way, which really wasn't fair. We've been doing it so tough. Oh yeah, I really feel for you, Nikki. So <laughs> hard. Today on the podcast. Uh, I don't actually know how to say this, but um, we're talking about those super awkward, uncomfortable conversations you have to have. Then, every year around this time, Australians try to hijack this American holiday. Why wouldn't we? Free lollies without having to get into a strange man's white van? I'm in. But what is it actually about? Detective Olivia Benson is back because I have investigated the origins of Halloween. Finally, I review one of the most divisive books of this year, A Lonely Girl is a Dangerous Thing. A few weeks ago, one of my girlfriends asked me, how do I tell my boyfriend that he needs to lose weight? And I was like, oh, I don't know. That's such a tough combo to have when you're in the middle of lockdown and everyone's got their winter weight on. So I was like, let me ask my dietitian, you know, Jess, who was on the podcast the other week. And she was like, uh, absolutely not. You can't have that conversation. And don't quote her on this. This is what I think she said. Yeah. Maybe it was the, the way I wanted to remember it. But she's like, you don't actually want to tell them to lose weight. What the conversation is, is you, you want to say is you're actually not living healthy, but you have to weigh up if it's really worth it. And I've told my boyfriend before to like slap me if I eat bad foods, like a free version of an electric shock collar. Mm-hmm. But then when he he does implement it, I'm like, why are you so fat phobic? Let me eat what I want. Sorry. Great in theory, but it's hurtful in reality. It is. And I don't know that there's a way for it not to be hurtful. Like, so I think you have to really weigh up if the conversation is worth having. Like if it's a real health issue, totally. But otherwise, maybe it's best left alone. 
But then it got me thinking. So we asked you in the Facebook group last week, what are the tough conversations you've had? And oh my God, some of them made me as uncomfortable as I feel watching the Logies. So let's dive in. Your most uncomfortable conversations are around your roommates, which is a massive bullet dodged for me because I've never had roommates for this reason. I feel like I watch E more than the average person and I just, I don't think roommates would appreciate the amount of time I spend in front of the TV in my underwear each weekend. And I just, I just don't need that judgment in my life. But Ash, you've had roommates, so you can talk to this because Marissa, Carly, Emily, so many fans talk about these super awkward conversations they have with roommates, particularly around them having sex really loudly and not in their bedroom or trying to sort out the cleaning schedule. I don't know. That's so foreign to me. How do you have those combos? Look, I'm so glad I've never had a housemate whose horizontal tango sessions were so loud I had to make a noise complaint because that's a conversation hurdle I just don't think I could haul myself over. The cleaning convo is definitely one I've had to have, but I think I've been lucky that the housemates I had to have the hard chat with were never my mates. It was the randoms from Flatmate Finder who weren't super clean. The friends I lived with were always on the same page as me. It was the randoms who thought playing Jenga with the rubbish bin was a good idea. No joy. You don't get extra points for balancing that can of tuna precariously on the top of the overflowing bin. It's not a pleasant convo, but I think Having the chat before you go postal is the best approach. How do you live with people from Flatmate Finder? They could be serial killers. Like they're probably serial killers. I'm stressed that you just find randoms to live with. On a couple of occasions, it was fine. On other occasions, it was a total nightmare, which is why living with mates or people you knew through a friend of a friend was always the better option. Because more often than not, they were on the same page as you in terms of cleaning and having mutual respect for things around the house. And also on nights when you wanted to have a few drinks and have a little bit of a party, chances are they were on the same page as that too. That would be never for me. <laughs> but- <laughs> back in the day, like back in my 20s, you know, on a Saturday night, it was great because all of your friends were already around. But yeah, when you're living with randoms, you're not always on the same page particularly with the cleaning thing, I it was a, I had to have quite a few tough combos with uh, randoms from Flatmate Finder who just didn't get it at all. I'm so uncomfortable just you talking about having <laughs> confronting conversations. No, I just knocked on the door and I said, have you ever emptied a bin before? Let me show you how to do it. That sounds very passive aggressive of you. <laughs> no, I no, no. no you. <laughs> but she, um, she came from quite a wealthy background and she said to me, no, I don't actually know how to empty the bin because the maids normally do it. And I said, that's fine. I can show you. So it wasn't actually passive aggressive, I promise. Isn't that the dream in life? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know how to empty a bin because my maids do it. I also had to show her how, the- how to boil the kettle. There, there were quite a few, yeah, there were quite a few hurdles to, to get over with that one. Jesus. Also, if you had maids, you could get them to have all of these conversations for you. Totally. (laughs) This is one we talk about a lot. How do you tell your friends that their partner is a piece of shit? Like I'm in the camp of you should always do it because then at the end of the day, you can say, I told you so. And your friends always should know, but It's a hard combo, right? It's a super hard conversation to have. And it can also create a divide between you and your friend if you step in when the feedback's not wanted. 
One of the most awkward conversations I've ever had to have was with a former colleague regarding her ex-boyfriend. We were friendly at the time, but not super close. And we were in that stage of becoming closer because she was recently single. So we were organizing more catch-ups together. I didn't know her ex very well. We'd met maybe a couple of times at work functions and that was about it. So then I was on Tinder one day and he popped up and he had super liked me. Super awkward. What? What is a super like? Okay. Is there more than swiping right? Yeah. What is this? Yeah. So Tinder is based on the notion that you don't know someone likes you until you also like them, i.e. swipe right, and then you're a match. But when you super like someone, they'll see that you've liked them before they even decide which way they swipe. So it's a pretty bold move. Basically, you're showing your cards. So I was in this awkward position where I knew they'd recently broken up. I didn't know what their communication was like, if they were still in touch, and whether I should tell her, like, was it my place to tell her? Would this compromise our work relationship? Would it compromise our newly forming friendship? Um, So in the end, I think the sisterhood has to win out. For me, the yardstick was, would I want to know? And the answer was yes. So I had to tell her. Yes, 100%. But I can see why you were apprehensive. Like today, there's this um, Geelong football player that apparently, apparently, allegedly cheated on his wife with one of the trainers in the hub. And I saw today that there is a Facebook page, sorry, an Instagram page dedicated to the trainer saying what so-and-so, her name is a homewrecker. (gasps) And I was like, why are we doing, like, why are you blaming the girl? It takes two to tango. She's not the one that's married. They're equally at fault. So I can totally say that some, and I immediately thought also that a woman must be running that account, but I can totally see why you would be apprehensive because some girls would blame you for that, even though it's clearly totally out of your control. You can't help it that you're hot and you put your best foot forward on Tinder. (laughs) I mean, it could have absolutely blown up in my face because it could have been perceived as a bit of a gloat or it it could have made things awkward between us. And obviously she was going to be hurt by it, but she was in the end super appreciative and understood where I was coming from. And they had been in touch. So she was glad she knew and, you know, knew what was going on behind the scenes. And I think because of it, we're closer now because she knew at that moment that I'd have her back. And in regards now, she in response, she also has mine. So I think if anything, it it kind of brought us closer. Oh my God, being single sounds like such a good sisterhood. It is. Maybe I need to, no. (laughs) It is. I think think if women are on the same page and are all part of the sisterhood, then it's great because you're all looking out for each other. And it happened, it happened in the reverse to me when um, at footy training, one of the new girls came up and was like, your ex has been hitting me up. Um, and it was, it was, God, which one? <laughs> <laughs> but where she's one of my best friends now. But from the get go, I knew, I was like, this girl's one of mine. She's got my back. She doesn't even know me. She doesn't owe me anything, but she's, she's got my back. So actually, now that you say that, I have had this happen to me before. And yes, I've also been in a relationship longer than Tinder. So remember when Tinder first started and it was this huge new thing, like it was basically the first, well, it it was, it was the first mobile dating app. And so everyone was really into it. Even if you were in a relationship, like I downloaded it, had a swipe around and so did my boyfriend, Mark. 
And I what? guess this, like, this doesn't seem right. Okay, I know. You were together at the time. Yes. Okay. So, okay. I know we don't have an open rel and I know <laughs> that it sounds really bad, but like we've been dating for so long. Like I fully was not even stressed. And so you're just curiously having a look around. You were window shopping to see. Yeah, just like test driving the-, the new technology. Like if okay. a new like Netflix came out, you'd want to, uh, that's such a bad example. Like we were just yeah. test driving. Okay. And okay. so <laughs> I guess after a, a bit, I got over it, whatever. And I guess he just didn't delete it or take himself off the app. And about six months later, when it was like well-established and not new anymore, one of my friends from work messaged me and she was like, Hey, did you and Mark break up? And I was like, no, oh. why? And she's like, well, I saw him on Tinder <laughs> mm. and I was like, I was so embarrassed because I knew it was nothing, but also that why, why the fuck was he still on there? And I told him and I pretended to be so mad, but he was genuinely mortified. And I feel like I just got a lot that week because I really prolonged the fake anger. Good on, good on that colleague letting you know, though. You really do need to be on the same page because, unfortunately, there definitely are those women who still think that it's always the women's fault, even when it's not. Moving on from partners to breakups. So I've got a really good would you rather. Love mm-hmm. to slip one of these in every episode. Would oh, you nervous. rather? <laughs> would you rather have a really solid reason to break up with someone like they cheated on you with your sister on national television or that there's not a really defining reason you just don't want to be with them anymore and can't stand to be around them for a single more second? Uh, I find that really hard because I think the breakup is harder if there's no black and white reason, but you, you definitely don't want to go through the torment of your partner cheating on you with your sister. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm probably not going to go either. What would you prefer? Um, you definitely have to pick one and I'm going the latter. I'm, I'm go- I don't want that shit happening to me. I don't want my partner cheating on me with my sister and giving no. me three new strains of gonorrhea. No. But I, so I actually did have the latter happen to me. And I remember vividly my friend who had had the same thing. She's like, just plant little fights in the months and weeks leading up to the breakup. So <laughs> they see it coming. <laughs> so I started to pick okay. fights. <laughs> over nothing okay and mm-hmm. it came to the day and he still didn't see it coming I was like what a fucking waste of my time going through all of those fights I just made sure that for the breakup conversation I did it and then I made sure I had plans later that night so I could totally bail and just get the fuck out of there yeah I think it's a it's a harder conversation when it's not so black and white because you you kind of you have to express a little bit more as to why you want it to end so I think it's almost a harder conversation when it's it's there's a little bit of gray in it yeah yeah you're right it's hard you have to say I don't like you you're a fucking awful human being you're just not for me it's also hard at the start of the relationship when it's early days I've had a friend whose new boyfriend dropped the album and she wasn't ready to say it back and so she had to explain to him thanks but sorry I'm not ready to return serve just yet so you'll have to uh, hang tight till I am 
full Ryan Styles from the OC, like when Marissa told him that she loved him and he said, thank you. I feel like I would just say it back, like avoid the awkwardness and just say it, even if you don't mean it. No, you can't be him. You couldn't, could you? I couldn't. I 100% would. I don't want that awkwardness in my life. (laughs) So this, I feel like neither of us have really had the real uncomfortable ones, but Pamplina, our number one fan, she had to have the most uncomfortable conversation after four years with her boyfriend of kind of dancing around the subject. She had to sit him down and be like, I want children. And if you don't, we have no future. And he was like, I don't. And that was it. Like there's that I feel like would be the hardest because you still love each other. There's literally nothing wrong with your relationship at that point in time. That would be, I feel like that's harder than being cheated on or not having a reason at all, having a reason that isn't present right now. That would be the worst. Especially after four years together, because that's a lot of groundwork to be building to get to that point and then realize that you want different things long term yeah I mean lucky she was younger I speak about Plina every week because she always contributes to the Facebook group but you know that she has a baby and a dog now and she's totally happy so lucky it worked out well for her other uncomfortable conversations you have to have are at work and I love this. Grace found it really uncomfortable to quit her part-time job at Baker's Delight when she graduated uni and bless, like who finds it hard to quit a job? I always want to get the fuck out of there when I'm quitting. But I actually, <laughs> I never quit my university job. I just I just stopped getting shifts. I just slowly made myself unavailable every single day. So technically I still work at Sports Girl. Maybe they could throw me a few shifts because none of my get rich plans have come into fruition. And I also still think that you work at Adairs sometimes. Like when I go there, I wonder if you can hook me up with a discount. And then I remember you do not work there. (laughs) But that was an easy conversation to have because I was working at Adairs throughout my entire time at university. So they knew after uni, when I graduated, I had my degree and then I started job hunting. So that was an easy convo because it had been years in the making. So they knew that I wasn't going to be working there forever. Yeah, I still didn't want to have it. (laughs) (laughs) This is what you need to live with housemates. They they prep you for tough convos. I, I hate them. I hate confrontation. I hate any awkward conversations. I hate them. But you know what's worse than quitting? <laughs> Being fired, which mm-hmm. you, which doesn't really happen in Australia because of like workplace laws, but redundancy happens and it will happen to everyone at least twice, which is stressful. But like we've both been redundant and at the time it feels like the most awful thing in the world. Like you have been stabbed 47 times in the face, but... I found that more often than not, it turns out to be a good thing. And I feel like I learned this lesson super early on. So, you know, when your workplace goes through a transformation and they throw out all the business buzzwords like synergy, transformation, cohesion, efficiency, (laughs) efficiency, productivity, and it gets really wanky. So I worked at this place and they decided to create a new team and it was it was actually called the VIP Elite Team. And basically they just, yeah, I know, which also like did they not think about how that would make every other staff member feel? Yeah. No, that, obviously that's not. so elitist. How hurtful. It is, right? Hurtful for the plebs left behind. Yeah, like the 99%. So <laughs> they took 
the best people from every department and <laughs> they decided that this team was going to work on investigative projects and exploration. And it turns out that those things are also bullshit and don't really exist. So <laughs> they've replaced their roles in their departments, but these people that were their best at their jobs had no work to do. So they all were made redundant. Oh, no. Which, it was awful, but I remember it happening and being like, right, redundancy is not personal because I just watched the best people from every department get made redundant. So I took that with me and I had that when I got made redundant. But I feel like, so lesson number one, don't make a wanky team based on nothing. Lesson number two, don't make someone redundant like this. This is how I got made redundant. <laughs> they were like, grab your wine, come downstairs. If you were drinking at your desk at two o'clock in the afternoon, the longevity of your career at that place probably isn't looking too crash hot. Oh, you haven't worked in advertising, my friend. <laughs> You're drinking at your desk at 10 a.m. We just like, yeah, we would like put wine in a mug and there are press sizes like when you do ads for the paper or magazines, um, you'd call it by its size. So you'd call it like, oh, a 10 by 4. Have you got that 10 by 4 for the Herald Sun ready? So that would be our code word. Do you want to go get a 10 by 4? Do you want to go discuss that 10 by 4 in the kitchen? And we would just be pouring wine into a mug and getting lit on a Tuesday at 10 a.m. Wow. Like, Honestly, advertising is wild. I've I I have so many stories to tell, but I want to write a book about it and get rich. So, you know, I got to like keep some of them close to my chest. But yeah, so it it was actually a Friday afternoon when I got Okay, my sorry. No Not, judgment. So, There's no judgment. So, they're like bring your wine, bring your wine. So, yeah, I had this full glass of red wine and so we go downstairs and they just start chatting to me like what's up like uh, and I had no idea I thought it was just going to be a cash conversation why is HR here I don't know whatever and (laughs) then so my boss is there his boss and my boss could not even look at me and so the big boss told me he's like yeah just go upstairs and like um you can come back and say goodbye and stuff and they just told me to go back upstairs like they didn't tell me to leave So I just sat there awkwardly. I was like, oh, I guess I should go. And then like 70% of staff got made redundant after me. And I'm like, whatever. And it turned out to be the best thing because I looked for a job I actually wanted. And I think the opposite, like the alternative is if they don't make you redundant, you're in a workplace where you're not going to go anywhere because they were going to make you redundant anyway. So yeah, it turned out to be the best thing for me. Yeah, redundancy is never personal. It's always a numbers game. The powers that be have crunched the numbers and your department or position just doesn't make the cut. At the time, it's obviously hard to see. Um, but I agree. For me, it was the one of the best things that ever happened to me. I was working regionally at the time, so it was kind of the kick up the bum I needed to get back to Melbourne. One awkward thing that happened to me when I was made redundant, though, as well as having a number of other roles, I also managed um, the TV show social media accounts. So after receiving the news that the show had been scrapped and I no longer had a job in that particular city that I was working in and would need to basically move to, to get work, um, I, I was delivered the news. I went back to my office to kind of compose myself and to start calling my partner at the time and my family and to let them know. And before I could do that, the bosses walked in and were like, oh, actually, um, we've got a press release that we need to put out letting everyone know the show has been scrapped 
but you manage all of the social media accounts. So we're just going to send it through to you. Could you just pop it up on all of the accounts and get it out there? And and I was like, can I just have five minutes just to process this and maybe to call my family? I was gutted and it was such an awkward conversation. So you put up a press release literally saying, I've been fired today and I just did this work for free, basically. Basically. Georgia, Fan Georgia, is an office manager, also in advertising. So she has had to have some very awkward conversations because most of the time agencies actually don't have HR. There's really no corporate guidance and like work safe practices are about as real as Santa Claus. And then the office manager kind of becomes this sweeto HR. So she's had to have the chat with two colleagues that were caught banging on the couch one Friday night and then the cleaners caught them. And then they were still like, oh, well, and kept going. And which side note, if you ever go into an advertising agency, never, ever sit on any of the couches because <laughs> they are they are all covered with bodily fluids. Like that conversation would happen in every single agency because Friday nights are loose. <laughs> it's just a different world. What is this world? This is crazy. It's a world with no HR and no union. No HR and no union. Okay. Okay. So, and everyone is under 30. And no regard for the humans watching you do the deed on a couch at work. Then Georgia was like, oh, that was nothing. Let me tell you about the heroin addict. So trigger warning. Obviously, we're going to talk about addiction. But I was like, Georgia, I, I worked with you. I know this story. I was there. So I'm going to tell you about this situation that occurred that Georgia had to deal with. So we had this new producer start and she'd come over from the UK and I guess nobody checked her references or her social media, which would have been a dead giveaway. And at the end of her first week, all of the production team came back from a boozy lunch and she was that girl. Like everyone sort of has a Friday drink, but you are you're a capable drunk, but she was that girl. She was so loose. She took it to another level. Yeah, yeah. And this guy I was talking to was like, she's got track marks. And I was like, what are track marks? Oh, wow. I had no idea, right? And she, and he explained. And I was like, is this the 90s? Like, who even does heroin anymore? So she proceeds to get more wild. We stay and keep drinking after work. Later in the night, she's stolen my friend's dog because obviously you're allowed dogs in the office. And she's sitting there patting the dog like Mr. Evil style. And then she's talking to my friend like, why are you such a bitch? Why do you hate me so much? As she's got her dog on her lap. And she's like, I'm going to take my dog now and leave. Then later in the night, we're just like sitting around the desks, having a chat. She gets up. She pulls down her pants and then just pees on the carpet in front of everyone. Oh, my gosh. But see, that's a person that needs some help as well. That's what a HR totally. department is a good idea. Right? So we put her in the taxi like, what the actual fuck just happened? Comes around to Monday morning and she comes into work and she had no idea what had happened on the Friday night. So Georgia had to explain to her, um, you peed on the carpet and you don't work here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Send her packing and then had to call the carpet cleaners and explain that too. <laughs> wow. That was a journey I wasn't prepared for. Wow. Yeah. Like that was probably, I mean, 
that was that was the most extreme thing. Probably not the most wild, but the most extreme thing that mm-hmm. happened while I was in Adland. Wow. But yeah, like I said, so many stories that I got to keep for my book. So I'll let you know when it's released. Which is yeah, one of those awkward conversations you have to have when your friend's got a um far fetched pipe dream. No, I can't <laughs> wait for the book. <laughs> You know I'm lazy as shit and I'm probably never going to write it. <laughs> I can't wait for its release. Watch this space, guys, 2060, coming to a bookstore near you. Dan Marissa gave us a forewarning, which I honestly hadn't thought about this, but this year Christmas is going to be a fucking nightmare with our relatives because there's no way that you can avoid talking about the unavoidable that has consumed our entire year. Like COVID is going to come up and everyone has something to say and everyone has a different opinion. COVID has been so wild, not only because of the fact that it's a global pandemic, but how polarizing it's been as a topic. You know, friends that you seem to get along with and see eye to eye on, you have completely different opinions on this one. It's been crazy. And even on social media, seeing how differently people feel about it and just how divisive it is. God, it is a good way to cull your social media. Mm. So we're going to go to Christmas and it's going to be like, firstly, if numbers are limited, who gets an invite? Who doesn't? Can you hug? Can you not hug? Can they touch your children? Do you have to wear masks or not? Are you going to share food or is it all BYO? (laughs) Like, Oh my gosh, that's so true. I didn't even think about this. And then you're going to get there and you know you're going to have to speak to your uncle who's a Trump supporter and listen to him talk (laughs) about dictator Dan. And Oh, and side note, like if you want to call him dictator Dan, maybe you should go and chat to someone who's actually lived in a dictatorship like under Mussolini or Hitler. And I think you'll find that we're living. No, like, yeah, that's it. We're living because we don't actually live under a dictatorship. But Christmas is going to be a shit show. I don't know. Do you have any tips for avoiding the uncomfortable COVID conversations at Christmas? Well, look, I have half my family in Canada and half my family in Queensland. So it'll only be my immediate family in Melbourne if I'm allowed to see my immediately family in the household. Um, And so I guess uh, the hot tip would be probably to avoid the conversation, but someone always wants to bring it up, don't they? Yeah, I've got some hot tips. Go, Don't go. Yep. (laughs) That's my number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, pretend that you don't celebrate Christmas anymore, which also mm. allows you not to go. So like be Jewish or, you know, change your religion for a day or, you know, you're just really not about consumerism this year. Or my number one tip, which I have like gets you out of everything, take a baby. Oh, mm. sorry, I've got to go. It's her nap time. She needs a bath. She needs to be fed. Always. You can always use a baby as an excuse. I've heard some of those excuses before from you. Hang on a second. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I the mean, jig's up, Nikki. I know you're poor now. <laughs> or I think we just need to put COVID into the same category as politics, religion, and salary, those taboo topics that you're not supposed to talk about and just say, let's put COVID in with those and assume that everyone has a different opinion that could be divisive or could not be divisive, so let's just leave it. Yes, I mean, that's another option. Just go in with really dull, basic conversation topics. (laughs) Which is actually enjoying your family's company on Christmas Day because how long has it been since we've actually seen anyone? 
Let's talk about Halloween. In the US, Halloween is an $8.8 billion industry. Huge. I can't even, I don't even know how many zeros that is. Their children froth the candy and adults love a pumpkin spice latte, which I, what even is that? As a Melbourneian, not even a coffee snob, just someone who drinks coffee, also a coffee snob. I find the concept of a pumpkin spice latte so offensive. Have you ever had one, Ash? I've never had a pumpkin spice latte because when I lived in America, it was when I was a kid. So we enjoyed Halloween as children in all its glory. And I can tell you, it is so much fun. It was probably one of the best holidays ever. Well, you get free lollies. Of course it would be fun. And you get to dress up, but you don't have to pay for the costume. So you don't have to be worried about never wearing it again. It sounds like a good time, which is probably why Australians are more desperate than ex-Bachelor contestants trying to bring back Bachelor in Paradise to get amongst this hype. And I don't know, like I feel like we don't really need the increased disposable products and consumerism, but I do like lollies. So, And I just think why, I mean, I feel like people in Australia hate on the idea of Halloween a little bit. And I don't understand why, because it's a chance for kids to get out in the neighborhood, meet other kids their age, go get free lollies and just enjoy themselves and have fun. Like I get that people hate on a concept that comes out of the US because consumerism, all all that, but the notion of kids just going out and enjoying themselves, I don't understand why there's so much negativity around that. And it was a chance for our parents to get to know other parents too. They'd drop us off at a friend's house while they hung out and drank. We would run around the neighborhood and come back with pillowcases full of candy. It was the best. I don't think that children can run around a neighborhood by themselves anymore. But I I mean, I get that. But also, it's so funny that you say it's about like children having fun and going out and getting lollies. And it's from America. It actually is not from America. And it has nothing to do with having fun. I have done some research, some deep investigation into the origins. And there's kind of a few different stories. So Ash, tell me if this is not what you learned exactly. But Halloween actually dates back to over 2,000 years ago to the ancient Celtic pagans, which is roughly Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. And it started with a festival called Samhain, which is definitely not spelt like it sounds because, you know, like those Irish, like Siobhan, love to spell things exactly the opposite to how they sound. So, Anyway, their calendar was divided into two halves, the light half and the dark half. And Samhain marked the end of the summer and the commence of the dark half. So they celebrated that from October 31st to November 1st. And the celebrants believed that on the night of October 31st, the barriers between the physical and spiritual world would break down. So, yes, that is how the Sanderson sisters in Hocus Pocus were able to come back for one night only. Get it now. (laughs) obviously I feel like if you've seen Hocus Pocus religiously you probably don't even need to listen to the segment because it's all explained but listen anyway yeah so 
being over 2,000 years old, a lot of the traditions are lost, but feasting, dressing up, hollowed out pumpkins were all part of this festival where they would try to reconnect with recently passed loved ones and encourage them to rejoin the land of the living. Or if they were bad spirits, they lit a bonfire and were like, go back to where you came from. Fuck off, bad spirits. So in my head, I'm like picturing Outlander and they're drinking a lot of Guinness, which I know Outlander was 1,700 years later. And I don't know, it feels like maybe culturally insensitive to say that out loud right now, but that's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing a lot of mulled wine. That's more the vibe I'm going for rather than Guinness. In like like really old castles? Yeah. Yeah. So these ancient people were also really primitive and superstitious. Like if you've listened to our episode on the totally cooked histories behind modern wedding traditions, you'll know oh. how crazy superstitious these people are. They So they would also sacrifice animals to the spirits and then they would prank each other and blame it on the spirits, which people totally believed. Because remember, like they didn't have science. And even 1,500 years later, witch hunting was a job like as highly paid as a brain surgeon now. So, you know, without science, you got to get your kick somehow. So that's how it all started. Is that where trick-or-treating comes from, like the, the concept of trick or treat because they were playing well, tricks on each other? That comes later. Okay. First of all, we have to get the Catholics in to butcher the pagan tradition because the, you know, like in the olden days, people like to conquer shit. So Mm -hmm. the Romans came in 43 BC and they conquered most of the Celtic land. And Catholics, when they conquer shit, they're like, "Mm, we're going to change like 90%, but let you keep 10% just to keep you happy enough. So like in Peru, for example, guinea pigs are sacred. So when the Spanish conquered them in the 1500s, they let them keep their sacred guinea pigs. So like in the churches in Peru, they have pictures of the last supper, but they're eating guinea pig for dinner. Wow. (laughs) Totally. I'm sure that happened. As a result, these Celtic traditions and pagan traditions, they were really repressed, but not completely eliminated. So the Pope was like, let's take the idea, let them keep the concept, but we'll call it All Saints Day. And instead of honoring pagan gods and spirits, let's honor the Christian saints and martyrs. So he called it All Saints Day or Hello Mass, which translates into Day of the Saints. But from Christmas, you'll know that Catholics like to celebrate things for a long period of time, like the night before. So the night before was called All Hallows Eve. I feel like if it was in Australia at this point, it would have been Halloween in like 3.2 seconds because like all Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. But it wasn't until 1785 when some poet coined the term in a poem. But remember at this point, we're not in America yet. We're still in the British Isles. So the US had had a whiff of Halloween, but because they were conquered by Protestants, they banned Halloween for being too Catholic. Really? Yeah. Like it is so not American at all. Yeah, They have imported it, like most white things in America. It is not native. The potato famine happened and the Irish flocked to the US like they're flocking to a Black Friday sale. And with (laughs) that, they brought brought all their traditions, including All Saints Day. And so they've got these um, bobbing for apples, the hollowed up pumpkins, playing tricks while wearing masks so they can't be seen. Mm -hmm. And... America is nothing but a land of extremes, like extreme lack of gun control, extreme lack of healthcare, extreme (laughs) right-wing politics. So in keeping in tradition, 
they took the Halloween traditions way too far and <laughs> tricking actually just turned into straight up vandalism. <laughs> so <laughs> then the store owners would be like, well, if you don't damage my shop, I'll give you some candy. That is how trick or treat came into being because, well, you want me to fuck up your shop or give me some candy. Right. So around like the 1920s, children would dress in costumes, but they wouldn't get lollies straight away. They would have to perform, like do jokes or a performance to get a treat. So that was like around the 20s. And then after that, we have this economic and technological boom, which exacerbates the growth like times a million. Candy manufacturers were like, yeah, this could really work for us. <laughs> so mm. they get their mitts in the game. Then TV's invented and there's all these Halloween specials. Then cinema happens and movies, the internet, Starbucks. And now we have the mass cultural phenomenon that Halloween is today. What a history. What an evolution. It was the best. You would get so much candy, like pillowcases filled with candy, but definitely not as lighthearted as it started out, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anything 2,000 years ago was lighthearted. Those people were <laughs> rough. <laughs> they were so much tougher than us. 100%. But they also died way sooner. We would be elderly back in those days. Look, we'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> a lonely girl is a dangerous thing, follows 22-year-old Jenna Liu an Australian with Chinese heritage living in the shadow of her past as a violin child prodigy. Jenna is desperate to fill the void left by her fame. Without that success, she is painfully lonely. And without a socialized childhood, she's awkward, self-deprecating, and fills the void the only way she knows how, with a sex addiction. Almost Every character in this book is entirely unlikable, especially Jenna, but the insight into her emotional detachment and chronic loneliness made her very questionable morals almost forgivable. The book itself is fairly emotionless. There are no thrilling highs, devastating lows, no enveloping moments of satisfaction, joy or sadness because the story is about emptiness. But there's this darkness and a starkness to the writing that would not allow me to put it down. The book has really mixed reviews. At times, it's uncomfortable and sexually graphic, but for me, it was a refreshingly, stereotypically defiant and original story. 7 out of 10. Thanks for listening to La Jam and Latte. If you loved the podcast, which we assume you do if you got this far, a five-star rating and review would really mean a lot to us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at La Jam and Latte Media for more lols and recommendations, also because we put a lot of work into it. To join the weekly podcast conversation, join us in the Facebook group at La Jam and Latte. Don't worry, we're not spammy at all. And for even more low involvement entertainment, head to lajamandlatte.com. There you'll find the show notes, but also heaps of articles to get your peepers around. See you next week. Cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.